deep shot. He's got the touchdown. And Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks. Super Bowl 55. Hello and welcome to the Bucks Banter Podcast. I am your host, Colin Hallboom, at Bucks Banter on Twitter and YouTube. I have been busy putting out a lot of written content for Sports Illustrated and Bucks Game Day. So this is actually our first post-draft episode. And I am extremely, extremely excited to introduce a very special guest for tonight's show. In fact, I couldn't think of a better time of the year to have him on. He is one of the most detailed, most thorough and definitely the most entertaining NFL draft evaluators in the business. He is known by many for being a notoriously tough grader. The Buccaneers this year were no exception. Uh, But one thing's for sure, you know he is going to give you his God's honest truth, and you got to respect him for that. Of NBC Sports Edge, at ThorKU on Twitter, I want to give a big Bucks banter welcome to none other than Thor Nystrom. Thor, thanks for coming on, man. It's good to be here with you, Colin. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it, man. Um, First of all, I got to get into your draft process because like I just said, you're so thorough. You're so detailed. I want you to tell me a little bit more about your evaluation process. When does it begin? What do you think are the most important steps to take in order to become so well-versed on like such a large collection of prospects? I think it's different for everyone, you know, sort of like everyone's professional sort of path, right? Like uh, for, for me, there's some people that do this where they're, they're, their first foot with this thing, the thing they cover is the NFL. With me, it's college football. I cover college football year round. I have now for years and years and years. And so I, I cover these kids on a, on a day-to-day basis. And then once we go from mid-January, the, the national championship game, that's when I go into the college, you know, I switch to, to the NFL draft. I go from college football to the NFL draft. So it's one difference between me and the other guys for, for better or for worse. Your focus being in at the collegiate level, right? Obviously puts you at a bit of an advantage. You're not playing catch up. It's kind of an all year, all year round sort of thing for you. For sure. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like I cover these kids from a journalistic level, all five or three or however many, six, seven, you know, depending on, 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 you know, now with the, the NCAA waived eligibility waiver in 2020, we have some guys that are that literally have seven year careers, but yeah, I mean, th- their entire careers from when they're recruited out of high school up until, you know, through when they declare for the draft or when the, their eligibility is exhausted, I cover them throughout. So I'm, I'm evaluating throughout. I, I have spreadsheets and I'm, you know, you have both the data from the stats and also your notes of the, the kids coming up and then you watch more tapes. So, you know, I'm hoping to bring as much context and as much data and information to the process and to their rankings, to their evaluations as I possibly can. And you definitely do that, man. That's one thing that's drawn me to your work for a number of years. So again, that's why I'm so excited to have you on. I want to get into the Buccaneers draft. Um, I know you're familiar with, with, with all of these guys and, I just kind of want to work down through the first four or five picks here. Uh, Logan Hall, uh, he was taken at 32nd overall. So 12 earlier than you had, 12 spots earlier than you had him on your big board. Obviously, the Buccaneers were able to acquire some additional draft capital in getting him there. A couple things. So in terms of his like height and weight, he's listed at 6'6", 280. It feels like Thor, certain people have concerns with that, kind of using that tweener label on him in like a negative way as to imply he's caught between two positions. But some view his combination of size and athleticism as a unique attribute, one that only adds to like his versatility and um, appeal as a prospect. Obviously, the Bucks are in the latter category. Where do you stand in relation to Logan Hall's projection at the NFL level and specifically as it relates to his size and how he can be deployed most successfully in the league? 
to that question, the jury is still out, right? Like the, the Bucks are certainly banking on the one side of it. Others that have them ranked lower are a little bit lower on it, but you got them at a, a draft day discount because of that, right? Like, you know, it, it you know, it's sort of like Traylon Burks as far as like the he has not proven to us that that as the ex-boundary receiver, period, end of story, that all of his skills there are coalescing, right? Because they moved them all around in college. They forced the ball to him within 10 years of the line of scrimmage just as a matter of course, because they didn't have the offensive playmakers around him. The same way with Logan Hall, like his, his skills were so diverse that they moved them around a whole bunch on the front of Houston is, you know, at the NFL level, are, are those two things, are they going to coalesce as he's going to be better than every one of your guys on, on the depth chart at this one sp- position on the edge or as an interior defensive lineman? Is he always going to be a guy that you're moving inside and outside? Is it somewhere in between? Is he going to, is he always going to be that tweener where he's never good enough on, and the rundowns with the one or the passing downs on the other one. Um, I'm not sure about that, but like that, I ranked them 44 on the upside alone. You have the projectability with both. You have the versatility, at least the projective versatility right now. Um, if, if on one or the other or the versatility aspect, he ends up being more valuable than we have Gage coming in, he's absolutely going to return more value than they got in the slot. Absolutely agree with trading down. They read the board right on that, that Logan Hall will be available with the first pick in the second round. So with that, you, you don't argue with that at all. They got more equity because of that. And I think with his skill set, you can't really argue with what they needed as far as taking them there. For sure. And like a lot of talk was about them having their eyes on Lewis scene. He ended up with your Viking store. Uh, you happy about that pick for the Vikes or, or how are you feeling about Lewis scene? I was, yeah. Like, you know, when, when the Vikings traded down from 12 to 32, especially with the division rival, you you know, the first thing you do, you consult the Jimmy Johnson trade trade chart or the, the Rich Hill one, which was one of the offshoots. And both of them had shown that the Vikings hadn't gotten as good a value with that pick that you would have liked to have gotten in the draft, you know, in the draft day trade, you know, in comparison to some of these these years that we've seen recently. But the, the, the one thing that people need to understand is this class, of course, you know, people had heard top 10, top 15. It wasn't quite as top heavy as some of these, these classes we'd seen recently, whereas the, the rounds two to five, we, we knew and we had heard that that was going to be sort of the power alley of this class, in part because of the 2020 NCAA eligibility waiver, where last year we had one third the, the usual declarees of a usual class. Because of that, this year and then next year, the, those drafts are going to have more players than, than we usually have, more quality uh, by extension. And, and so, like, trading down, the, the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, it remains static year after year. Some years, you know, like in past years, it's probably more accurate. With this class, again, the top 10, top 15 uh, picks, they're not as valuable as in usual years, whereas the, the rounds two to five picks, they're going to be more valuable. And the Vikings certainly saw that in their second trade with the Green Bay Packers when they traded down. Packers were targeting Christian Watson. They got the guy that they wanted. Um, no argument there. He absolutely deserved to go there. But the Vikings got really good value in that pick because they got two round two picks back for their, their second pick in round two. For sure. Now, I want to quickly just hit on Luke Gadecki, Um coming out of Central Michigan. Bucks took him in round two at 57, 12 spots higher than you had him on your big board. And despite playing tackle uh, at the University of Central Michigan, you had Gadecki listed as a guard on your big board. So obviously you saw him better suited to play along the interior in the league. Uh, absolutely, that is the Buccaneers' intention with him, as all indications are. He's probably going to start at left guard. And I just, you know, is he better suited at guard and why? Is it just like his arm length or, or is there more to it? And 
you know, with Jason Light's impressive resume, Bucks GM, in terms of drafting old linemen, what do you think made Gadecki worthy of a second round investment in his eyes? Because that was higher than a lot of people had him slated. Yeah, I had no problem with, with drafting him there, you know, in the 57 slot. Like you said, I, I had him ranked 69th overall. Part of that was just being between the two positions or whatever. But I don't have any problem with him as like I don't consider him a tweener, obviously, based on my my ranking. Like I, I had him higher than than a lot of folks in the industry because of that. Like for me, what I see is a guy who can absolutely start it at one of the two guard spots, no problem at all. And he also gives you at least right tackle swing flexibility early, early in his career before you've locked him into one of the starting spots. I'm sure that that's the way the Tampa Bay saw him as well. I like the projectability of him a lot. You know, I mean, like at Central Michigan, most people were looking at Bernard Raymond, you know, because, you know, obviously he was like the the prospect there or whatever. But like, um, you know, overlooking Gadecki, I think that was a mistake. Um, he's a very promising pro prospect as well. I He's not the same kind of a prospect as Ezra Cleveland coming out of Boise State that the Vikings took a couple of years ago. But in the same way, it was a guy that at, at the subdivision level, the G5 level, he had locked down one tackle spot for a couple of years and he projected more cleanly initially, at least, to, to one of the guard spots. I expect that's the way that Tampa Bay will use him. But again, long term, if, if he ends up becoming a right tackle a couple of years down the road, and enters your starting lineup in, in that fashion, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Good, to, you are you were right on it, right? Like you knew he'd, he'd transition to interior offensive line somewhere, most likely guard, and that sounds to be what's going to happen. Um, I want to talk about the Bucks' third round pick. They took him 90th overall, which was ob- obviously shocked a lot of people, and that's Rashad White. Thor, you and I went back on Twitter. I was boosting your takes on Rashad White because I immediately first thing I did is I went and saw what did what did Thor have to say about Rashad White, and I was quite pleased. Uh, with with your thoughts, I know you were higher on him than most. You had him as your RB four. Uh, why was he your fourth rated running back entering this year's draft? And you know, with at least one year to play with Tom Brady, a dream scenario for any pass catching back. What can Bucks fans expect to see from Rashad White in his rookie season? I'll I'll tell you why some people in my industry were lower than than I think he should have been, or that you would have gotten just from the data or from the eye test. It's, it's because of the meat and potato traditional things that you expect out of a running back. Those are the things that he is less on right now. It, it's the instincts between the tackles. It's knowing when to bounce it outside. It's, it, it's the tempo thing, the vision thing, right? Like, again, the traditional meat and potato running back stuff. But he is special in a special way in that you can't teach other prospects how to do what he can do already just naturally as a receiver, it's not just out of the backfield. He can certainly do that. It's also, you can literally deploy him as a boundary receiver and he is going to be a weapon, you know, like, and and then he also showed the athleticism that confirmed all of our priors on this sort of a thing. But like, you know, in college, you could put him in the slot, you could put him in the boundary. Not only were the college defense immediately when Rashad White would be deployed, it, it sort of reminded me of Clyde Edwards E. Lair from the 2019 uh, LSU team where, you know, when Clyde was in the backfield, that was one thing. But when he motioned out pre-snap, you saw all the linebackers and all the safeties like, you know, it's frantic. Like, Clyde, 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 Clyde. They were pointing out there, who's got him? Who is on? You, we, we can't let him go. You know, the defense has their eyes on that guy at all times, especially when there's a situation where he can get in space. It's the same thing with Rashad White. You, you are, as a defense, you are very concerned about that guy once he, he starts motioning out because it's like, what are they going to do now? Because his skill set, you know, again, not only can you, can you deploy the, the receiving ability out of the backfield traditional ways, 
you can also do it, whether it's out of the slot, whether it's out of the boundary. And we've seen him not only run really good routes out of the boundary, also the ball skills play there, absolutely, you know, even against boundary cornerbacks or whatever. So he is a very sharp, versatile offensive weapon. That's what I consider him more than a regular running back. Sort of a similar thing with James White. It's the only guy that has an analogous running back receiving traits that, that Rashad White did in this class. But with Rashad, you can do all these different sorts of things with him. I think he was valued a little bit less by the NFL because of his route to the NFL. Whereas initially, he had just totally been overlooked as a recruit coming out of Kansas City. He had gone to the Juco for the one year, then he, or a subdivision for a year. He got into Juco for a year. And then he finally came up to the power five. But in 2010, or I'm sorry, 2020, the the situation was still against him because that year, the Pac-12, they cut their games down the most because of COVID. But he still led the FBS in yards per carry with 10. And he was still showing all the the versatility as a receiver. And then this past year, you had more of the sample set. And he showed you all the stuff that you could hope for on on, both the things. Both as a, and by the way, he doesn't lack contact balance. That, that kid doesn't. I, I've read that some, from some people that like, it, it's not that. It, it's just that he hasn't, as far as the tempo but and, and the vision behind a, a high echelon offensive line against high echelon competition, that's what he hasn't done as much yet. But like, as far as the contact, like the, the idea that he goes down on first contact, that is simply wrong. But it's not true. Like, I mean, he, he, he I've seen that kid drag four people before you know, he's built a little bit more angular and stuff like that, but he's not built slight and he does not lack play strength. He doesn't lack heart either. Um, he's a very diversified kid. He just does not have the, um, I guess, the catalog of tape that some of these other running backs do. I think that's why he was available where he was. But I, I, I love the gamble, if you want to say that, by a team that is competing right away because that guy can fill up a, a, a need that you need right away. It's not a starting spot. You know, I'm sure Lenny Fournette, he's going to be the, the designated quote-unquote starter. But Lenny Fournette, he gets the early down grinding stuff. Rashad White going to come on the field in the obvious passing situations. I don't know if Tom Brady recommended him outright beforehand like Pat Mahomes did with Clyde edwards Lair, But Tom Brady is going to love working with that kid for sure. Love it. Love it. That's great to hear, man. And I like it. I like, I think the Bucks are in a great position to take, like you said, not so much a gamble, but a shot on a guy whose ceiling could be astronomical in the right system. And I think the Buccaneers could provide him the right system. I want to quickly, before we get you out of here, Thor, I want to ask you about Kate Otten. Bucks took him to start off the fourth round. Um, you had him as your second highest graded tight end on your top 500 big board. What is it about Otten that put him ahead of, say, Jeremy Ruckert or Greg Dolchich for you? Because I think a lot of people had, you know, Otten, most people had him behind Ruckert. Yeah, and I've seen all those kids up close. Uh, with Otten, it was it's the ability to do two things at a high level. Um, the, the ability to be a true inline guy and block my, my conviction that he can block NFL edges, at least – to an adequate degree, you know, at least you're not throwing him out there in a position where he's for sure going to lose. There's that. And then the pass catching ability, he can do both things. There's a lot of kids in this tight end class that are, you rate them as tight ends because that's what they played in college, but they're, they're really not that they're really big slot receivers. That's the opposite of what Kate Otten is. Kate Otten is, is a real traditional tight end where he can both play the inline. If you need to motion him out to slot, be a big slot. No problem in the moment. Right. But like, again, a lot of these kids in this class were just big slots. I see Kate Otten as a guy that can do both things. He can motion in, he can motion out. 
he didn't get to do the full testing profile, you know, in this class or whatever. But I think if he had been, he would have he would test him more athletically than some of the people thought. And I think it would have confirmed some things that they could have seen once they went back to the tape. I like him more than his draft slot indicated for sure. Love it. I think the injury, you know, last year probably had a lot to do with that. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully that works out well for the Buccaneers. Last question before I get you out of here, Thor. Any thoughts you have on Zion McCollum? Buccaneers nabbed him 55 spots um, later than where you had him ranked. You had him at 102. They got him at 157. Obviously, incredible RAS scores, like the highest relative athletic score in the history of the cornerback position since the Combine's inception. Is he more than that, or is it just about the traits that makes this kid appealing? For me, that's a steal. Either way it goes with, with his career, you get him at 157 in the fifth round. It's a steal because even just on the traits, you know, as a dice roll, the thing that you can get if, if he hits his ceiling, it's way above where that you know the you know the juice being worth the squeeze or however you want to say that him falling all the way down there. I thought he was gonna be a late third round pick. And if not that, I thought he was gonna be an early fourth round pick. That was me. That, that was on my board. You know, again, like you said, I had him 102. That would have been a you know one of the compensatory picks in the third round. The fact that he fell that low, I was surprised. You know, the, the NFL always looks for the boundary corners with the traits that have the length, that have the athleticism for the outside. That's what he is. Um, but the NFL also, you saw this year where, where they were backing off a little bit on the guys where they felt that they would need a year of development before they got there. And, and th there was some sort of, um, you, you, were, you were banking more on the cost certainty of some guys, you know, er earlier on that maybe had a, had a lower ceiling. Uh, maybe some organizations or some staff specifically, like they didn't think they had as much um, leeway this coming season. And so they were picking more of the guys that they thought were going to be better this coming season, as opposed to prioritizing the next, you know, four or five years of, of their career. Zion McCollum, he's more of the latter thing. You know, he's a guy that the first year, you're going to have to teach him a little bit because he's jumping up, right? Like he's jumping up from a subdivision uh, level. But as far as the athleticism, as far as the body type, as far as the frame, everything like that, I don't know what you could bank on that would be more promising in the fifth round. The the, the juice is worth the squeeze there regardless. The, the price that you paid was right. You bring that kid in. If he doesn't succeed, whatever. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, you, you have the absolute perfect uh, starter kit for a press outside cover man corner. If it doesn't work, who cares? Yeah. You, only, you only spend a fifth. Where, where I have a problem is when a team takes that kid in the second round, right? Where they reach way over his import because they're like, we have a conviction. At that point, it's not a conviction. At no. that point, it, it, it is a duty, you know, it's sort of like in the airport when you see the duty free. It's like the duty free transaction cost on, on a fifth round cornerback. There is no downside there. Yeah, it would be a real investment if you went up and got him. But it worked out perfectly for the Bucs. Uh, just like us having you on worked out perfectly for us at the Bucks Bander Podcast Store. Can't thank you enough, man. I know you're busy as hell. I know you got to jet out for another uh, for a radio hit or something like that. So thanks again, my dude. And uh, hopefully we can catch up with you again in the future, man. We'll keep consuming your work in the meantime at NBA Sports and NBC Sports Edge. And you can follow at ThorKU. Am I right? That's right. ThorKU. Yep, on Twitter. Yep. All right, brother. Take care, Thor. Thanks again, man. Appreciate you having me on, Colin. Thank All you. All right, brother. Be well. And what a segue to welcome in my uh, more standard co-host. Uh, we got Bodan Yard in the building. Scott Capron uh, scurried off into the background. Who knows where? Uh, what's up, Bo? Uh, pretty cool. We got we got Thor Nystrom on the show. Hell yeah. 
That was awesome, man. Like a guy of tweets we've been following for a, quite a while. So really cool to see him on there. Oh, the, the I didn't know Scott was in the full. I got to go change my wardrobe. Gee, oh, yeah. hello. Oh, wow. Uh, what are we, we trying out for the new Archie movie, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I might have just gotten back from the golf course. You know, nice. there's, a, there's a chance of that happening. Oh, nice. hello, guys. Well, back to well, the regular suspects. Yeah, that's it. How are we? We're doing great, man. Um, pumped up. We like we didn't have Thor for as long. He he had a call with his mother that that went a little long that he said, which I respect. You gotta respect been there, that. Been there, Pri- Thor. Been there, Pri- Thor. Priorities. And uh, anyway, he crammed a whole bunch of content. We hit on all the big bucks picks. I wanted to got Good. his specific specific takes on each of those guys. Bo, I know you caught some of it, right? Yeah, I did. I, I jumped in right at like the uh, uh, the running back pick, the Rashad. What's Rashad White, Rashad White, White. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I, I loved it. Like he said, uh, James White, like the way he was describing him, I was thinking Alvin Kamara, honestly, like from a receiving standpoint alone, right? Well, so, well, he literally has that sort of ceiling potentially, like like his yeah. his talent as a as a receiving weapon is that much, um, so much so that Thor is saying, you know, he you can't just look at him as a receiving running back. He is literally yeah. a receiving weapon. And uh, that's why he was his fourth rated running back and like more because he was caught in between positions. So he loves the talent. He likes taking the shot there that Jason Light did. Um, I haven't really had a chance to weigh in on this Bucks draft yet at all. Um, I wanted to pack Thor's comments in there. The way I would describe it is workmanlike, I think, like just a workmanlike effort by Jason Light, because when it's all said and done, there were some weird moments, I'll tell you, where I was like, what the? You know, taking yeah. Kamarda, a punter, uh, Jake Kamarda out of Georgia uh, in the fifth before we'd address like the cornerback position or safety, like any DB. I was kind of like, huh, um, yeah. having already yeah, taken. I, I, I think that's a pretty uh, justifiable huh there. Yeah. yeah. It's actually technically a fourth too, right? It's like a compensatory. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Technically that is a, f- yeah. But Anyway, he made up for it because the guy we were just talking about that I wanted needed to get Thor's opinion on was Zion McCollum out of Sam Houston State because this kid is such a freak. And he was having like a slide, like an unexpected slide. Like Thor had him uh, 55 spots higher. He had him ranked at 102. So he thinks that is just an incredible steal for the Bucks because – Unreal not, value. Wow. Yeah, it's just amazing value. <laughs> and this kid's like so ridiculous athletically. You're just betting on the trades. And if it doesn't work out, well, it was worth a shot. So they kind of – it was kind of like – you know, the dumb and dumber, like, then you go ahead and totally redeem yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I was looking at that there. And I, um, like, I was just looking at, at Thor's like article and I was like, how are you going to feel about that pick? Because the comp is friend of a sh- friend of the no, show. Don't, Kevin don't, King. don't, don't say it. <laughs> What's going on? He's, he can't be Kevin. King. Like, I don't know. I mean, so, so part of what makes Thor so cool as an evaluator is he just like, he does the most random shit, but it like makes sense in his own way. So he's he's not being unrealistic. Like the guy still went in the fifth round, right? So if you get yeah, Kevin sure. King, who's a starter on a team going to the NFC championship with Super Bowl aspirations, I mean, I would say that's a win yeah, if he sure. is Kevin King. So he's really just so much more realistic about it all, I think. Yeah. And uh, when you read Thor's work, he also just has amazing like analogies and comparisons and just the way he describes the traits or the on-field attributes of a player i find is so unique so that's why he's always been one of my favorite evaluators and why it was so cool to get him on the show yeah that that duty free line that just like caught my attention i was like wait 
that that makes a lot of sense. Like everybody's yeah. been in that position where you're like, you're at the gate, you got a little bit extra time, and you're like, oh, yeah, I can grab exactly. something on the way out. <laughs> so yeah, like in terms of the Bucks draft, you know, overall they addressed almost every position you wanted them to. Um, they got Logan Hall, who's a guy who, you know, there's a good chance they were going to take at 27 anyway. You add two picks in the middle rounds that that Jason Light identified as a strength of this draft. You got to take that as a win. Thor agreed on that. So we'll see what Logan Hall, what the Bucks can do with Logan Hall. And I think one thing that needs to be talked about is um, the fact that suspicions are this there's a there's a good chance that Nanomic and Sue will not be back now and like Rob Gronkowski is more likely of the two maybe they use those those assets elsewhere I I, I can't speak to that for sure but uh, that seems to be the chatter coming out of some well-connected um, Bucks guys mouths hmm. just feels feel like that? even from an outsider's perspective that something with Sue would have happened by now we would have had yeah. some sort of indication one way or, the, or another it just seems like i don't know they're just kind of letting it fade away and then he's going to sign somewhere else who knows who knows it just that's just from an outsider's perspective what it feels like for sure and um i mean yeah rashad white exciting luke gadecki thor had no issue with luke gadecki either uh in the second round at pick 57 like heart he described himself as a glass eater i mean I've written articles about all these guys, like my initial thoughts. So if anyone wants to check any of those out, you can find them over at BucksGameDay.com. Uh, it was a busy weekend for me, but it was a it was a hell of a good time, as they say on the West Coast. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna say you're like at this. You opened this by saying I didn't have, I didn't have a time through. I didn't. I wasn't able to like weigh in. I was like, I'm pretty sure I read like ten articles or something. Yeah, before. yeah. You've you've weighed in. You've weighed. No, in. I, I meant like I didn't have the time to do it. This is our first draft pod. Yeah, post, sure, post sure, draft sure. pod. That's what I was saying. So like all my time was focused on writing. Um, the draft as a whole, though, fellas. Wow, like some yeah. crazy stuff went down, man. And like unreal. Couple teams just either to their reputation. Like I think we got to just kind of categorize and you dispute this if I'm wrong or throw someone else in the mix. I just generally want to say. What the New York Jets did is mind-bogglingly impressive, what Joe Douglas did there. Because it's one thing to have, you know, a couple picks in the first round, a couple picks in the top 15, top 10, which they had. Um, like, you, it's kind of hard to mess that up. But then to go ahead and add, to trade back up and get a Jermaine Johnson yeah. at, at 26, and then to go ahead and get Brees Hall in the second round, go up and get him, you're adding four maybe the four best players at four respective positions to a team that already has accumulated some talent. I mean, that just stands out to me. Um, well, and, yeah, go on. Yeah, dude, like the top three, I think I saw a tweet. I, I forget who it was, but all three guys that they took in the first round were mocked to them at four. Like yeah, that's, exactly. that's the craziest thing to have happen. That's... Four, 10 and 26. Yeah. So obviously there's some buzz about them picking any of those three up and to actually end up with those specific three is incredible. Um, yeah. I heard a take, I think it was on the ringer NFL show and someone criticized the jets because like if Jermaine Johnson was that good, then there's a reason that he, he fell all the way to 26 or blah, blah, blah. I just don't buy that line of thinking at all. I, I think, um, I, you know, if a handful of teams, think he's a top 10 talent for example but you get him at 26 then how do you criticize that i just yeah. and especially if it's not your first 
first round pick, right? There is a flexibility to maybe take a bit more of a shot kind of thing. I just, I don't, I disagree with that line of thinking. I think the Jets, um, you know, are they markedly better as a team? Well, you know, we'll see just because they've been so bad. But I, to, to say that they did anything other than kill this draft, I think is, is just incorrect. Yeah. And then they got Jeremy Ruckert as well, who is like a guy I had higher on my board than Kate Otten, who I was yeah. super pleased to see that Thor had uh, ranked below Kate Otten. So that's nice if you think of the fourth round value for the Bucks. But um, yeah. so that's another position. They got maybe a top two guy at his position. Just unbelievable. So, Scotty, what you're saying in terms of like, is it going to how much is it going to affect on the field performance right away? I don't know. But I'll tell you, that's as good of an effort as you can possibly make in one NFL draft to do it. Honestly, you know? yeah. for sure. And those are, those, no are separate, those are two separate statements, basically. Right. Because, you know, it's hard. It's hard to make a huge impact, obviously. And, and three guys don't change a team. It's more of, of an indictment on how bad the Jets have been. But I, I mean, how can you not love what they did? Yeah, yeah. love it. Love yeah. it. And then, so Bo's going to love this, but you got to talk about the Ravens. Like, I, oh. like, oh my God, the Ravens. Like, unbelievable job. They just, yeah. let me just pull up their draft because I don't have it in front of me right here. I, I just pulled it up too. It, it's, it's almost like, like, we can just start with the Kyle Hamilton one. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think everyone, 14. literally everyone, even if you didn't fill out a full mock draft, the one pick that you're like, locked in was jordan davis at 14 to the ravens and it's like they just were in the back being like yes we're gonna take jordan davis no matter what nobody talked about kyle hamilton ever let's just keep that slide going and we're happy to take maybe the best guy in this draft like possibly get the best guy in this draft at 14 it's insane like kyle hamilton like i said i was like i would maybe even just take him at number one if i like i know positional value is a thing but I think that kid is going to be a star in this league. And it makes total sense for him to go to the Ravens, who are just already have a ridiculous secondary. And they're just going to, he's going to be all over the field. You're going to think that he's safety. He's going to be playing nickel. He's going to be all playing linebacker at points. Like they're going to be, have a very innovative defense with him. And it's, and like, sorry, not to make this a Michigan thing, but. You know they hired they hired Mike McDonald, the Michigan uh, defensive coordinator, yeah. to be their defensive coordinator, who oh, was shit. super creative with their secondary and everything they did. And to have a piece like that, like Hamilton, just right off the bat, I mean, not bad. Like pretty good pick, obviously. Good Sorry if you heard any talking there. That was my bad. I was just looking here at uh, at their draft class. Unbelievable. I got to so Kyle Hamilton at fourteen. Then they go and get the best center in the draft, Tyler Linderbaum. Some people have been critical of, of that being like not a perfect scheme fit. Like, what I'm sorry, small but arms. They don't F, get, like they, F off. the Ravens Tyler, no more. It's yeah. Tyler Linderbaum too. Like, yeah. come on, Linderbaum. Like, Linderbaum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Obviously. Um, <laughs> also, they said that Linderbaum pinned Tristan Wirfs <clears throat> in high school in wrestling. What else do you need to know? Seriously, like that's <laughs> that's a. I don't like how they did that to my guy, Tristan Wirfs. Scott's acting like we haven't talked about this each of the last three episodes. I don't care. Bring it up again. <laughs> you think it's easy to pin Tristan Wirfs? Yeah, roll the clip, Colin. Couldn't do yeah. it. Not without a torn ankle, you can't. That's for damn oh, sure. Yeah. If he doesn't have one. Um, David Ojabo, they got. They yeah. also got Travis Jones. Like four first round picks they got with yeah. their first four picks. That's insane. Kyle Hamilton, right? Safety. Tyler Linderbaum center. David Ajabo. A guy who, who you know, I've talked about how I would just redshirt him his, his rookie year, make sure he's healthy, um, but whatever. Could be available this year, potentially. 
-hmm. still a, a, a round one talent, undoubtedly, like a top 15 talent if he's healthy. And then Travis Jones, a guy some people had as high as like top 20 on their boards as a, as like a run stuffing defensive tackle with the ability to develop uh, rushing the passer. And then they got Daniel Falele, or however you say his name, who was yeah. Thor's seventh overall offensive tackle. Comparison to Makai Becton. Um, they, they just killed it all the way down. They got they got Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina at tight end way down the board. Charlie Kolar, like a bunch of names. Man. I was going to say, what do you think about that tight end, those tight end pickups? I think it it's smart. It What yeah. does it remind you of? It reminds you of when they drafted Mark Andrews and um, – Oh, the BYU guy, right? No, the guy, the guy who uh, he just got picked up by the Bengals, and he was most recently with the Falcons. He's a ginger. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Hunt, Hunter something? Why am I? Why? It's not Hunter Henry. No. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. Hayden, Hayden Hurst. Hurst. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even find it yet, but Dang. former first round pick. So they yeah. took Hayden Hurst in the first one year in like whatever year it was, 2016 or 2018. And then they went and got Mark Andrews in like the third or the fourth. Here, They've already got Mark Andrews, who looks like the premier, the up and coming premier tight end, pass catching, do it all tight end, or one yeah. of them. And here they go and take two more. So they're just always, they're always a step ahead of everyone. That that the one thing Taylor. I wish they did was maybe find a wide receiver, because I feel like there's this like Antonio Brown cloud that's just kind of circling over top of them, and I feel like that that combined with Lamar uh Lamar Jackson's contract negotiations are like the two things that could just derail this entire season for them but oh fucking yeah the the combination of trading Hollywood Brown and any sort of Antonio Brown rumors is is <laughs> not a great one as far no. as the receiver room goes in Baltimore it's so funny that they've just you know I guess other than Steve Smith when he was there, they've just never addressed that position really, eh? They and like it's not like they haven't been good and it, or like I'm not even necessarily criticizing the team building because they've been solid in so many spots. But if they could just get real receivers, it feels like you know. But you know, we'll see. Let's see what they do. For sure. And then, I mean, we got to talk about the Eagles, right? Oh. If we're focusing on the good, yeah. what the Eagles were able to accomplish is obviously. Um, quite a coup for them the aj brown trade uh that was crazy I great mean, night for them yeah right did you look like, hurts and aj brown were best friends i didn't know that no, no. idea yeah they no. like just rival sec teams but yeah they I hang just, out i don't i don't get it i don't know like jalen hurts is from texas i don't really understand like who knows i guess they grow if you grow up going to camps and stuff everyone knows each other and i guess yeah, that, but i feel like we would have heard some sort of hurts brown you know yeah. on the nfl countdown you know story or segment but anyway that's really cool that they're on the same team it's weird like the uh in a nicobe i feel like it was just kind of like weird the way that they approached the draft you know what i mean like i felt like they were making good moves and then like the the go up to try to steal jordan davis from the ravens kind of confused me for them um like i don't i don't hate their defensive line i guess those guys are only con on contract for a year or two longer but um one yeah, year I, for one year for both of them for, one year yeah for okay. javon hargrave and for fletcher cox who just re-upped on a one year so it not makes to sense. mention not to mention jordan davis like no one knows what his um dur uh, not durability but what his stamina yeah. will be like so they're really just trying to turn like what is already one of the best interior defensive line units into like 
the yeah, scariest of all time because on paper that's that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. And I mean, they also managed to get uh, Kelsey's replacement at the center position in Cam Jurgen, center at a at a Nebraska, who is like the I think most people's second best center in the draft, undoubtedly, right? Too. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Dean. I like what I like. Howie Roseman. I got to give him some flowers just for how these last few drafts he's managed to just put on a clinic in how to acquire draft capital and then how to continue to leverage that to acquire more. Like it almost feels like what, uh, what is it? Sam Presti is at the Oklahoma city thunder jam. Yeah. What he's been trying to do, but never pulling the trigger on doing where you actually, it all kind of uh, catapults into this, like one move where it's like, Oh, now I get it. Like, it's like, it's just the Danny Ainge well, thing where he had it and he never really, it's so much harder in basketball just because like that one pick for any franchise is like oh this could be the injective talent right Mm -hmm. like for football it's like you have so many picks that it somehow it has to devalue them a little bit but 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 couldn't you argue then that's more of a detriment on okc or boston yeah having taken advantage of it yet like i don't i I would i would no I, i basically would say like for okc and for like boston it's like Boston, you could say they've done it. They did as well as you possibly could have with all those picks, with getting Jason Tatum at least out of it. Like that's you get a generational player out of all of that. But then, yeah, with OKC, I guess we'll find out. But I don't know. Like it it just depends on where where they end up in the lottery and if they're able to like package it for a team that like who's going to get a top five pick. I don't know. This is a basketball basketball pod now. (laughs) Who's going to get a top five pick and trade that away for any number of picks, right? Okay, sorry, Bo. I didn't mean to rile you up. Man. Oh my goodness, Bowden. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Nobody knows what Sam Presti is doing. Moving on. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you guys want to talk. We we had talked offline about coming up with like a weird move, a good move, and a bad move that we wanted to just kind of talk about to help guide some conversation about some of the things that happened. Obviously, with Thor coming on for the first 20, 20 minutes or so um we're, we're we don't have a ton of time but we can at least identify a couple moves that we want to talk about and kind of see where the conversation goes aside from just focusing on the bucks but i'm sure there'll be some more bucks talk to come Bo, do you want to kick us off with like a move whether it's a weird one a good one or a bad one where do you want to start yeah i can i say that i kind of like good move uh dan campbell and the detroit Lions. i feel like they actually did a really good job like i love this swing on jameson williams uh, Josh Pascal lost some edge, edge uh, talent coming out. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, obviously, they got their guy at number two. Like, I think they came out of there with everything that they wanted to get, right? Like, they have every hole that you could have on a roster, and they they kind of addressed it. Yeah, man. Like, I don't disagree one bit. Um, I think the best part might have been how, like, I, th- I feel like we're all kind of coming around on Dan Campbell in a way, or at least I, I am. Uh, because Scott shakes his head like no, <laughs> um, but I like how when they when the, with the Aiden Hutchinson pick, like everyone, including myself, wrote in their mock drafts, like if Hutchinson's there, they're gonna just run the pick in right away. Like it's just a no brainer for Detroit, just based on so yeah. many different factors, style of player, matching the coaching staff and the scheme, and him being you know forty minutes down the road for his college career. Um, but camp like it, it's always known that NFL franchises they want to really drag it out and I'm sure you guys saw this online today but um, Dan Campbell they just submitted the pick ri- literally instantly and the NFL was actually pissed off because <laughs> it's like a, a an agreement between the teams they'll wait at least until halfway through the time to actually submit the pick 
Yeah. So I, thought, I thought that was funny. He's like, what do you mean? Like, we just sent the damn pick in. Like, what do you expect? So yeah. I thought yeah. that was kind of cool. I'm with that. Good for him just, like, doing it. That's cool. Uh, obviously, with him as a coach, they're never going to do anything. But, um, yeah, that was, that was <laughs> I mean, good for the Lions. I think overall they did pretty well. Um, yeah. The Jamison Williams thing just surprised me. It just did not seem like Dan Campbell guy, right? I thought it was for Kyle Hamilton when they moved back up. Um, yeah, me too. Most people thought quarterback. I was just like, oh, shit, they need a safety. Kyle Hamilton is falling. This makes too much sense. Hamilton, that would have made a ton of sense, but. But yeah. Jameson Williams was a guy that I was like, oh, damn, like, good. Like, get some juice in there at the yeah. receiver, man. Get the most, like, high upside and arguably, like, the most ready to contribute just based on his speed alone soon type of player. Yeah. Um, and Jared Goff, like, as bad as he is, he can throw – he knows how to play. He's got some years under his belt. So he'll be able to utilize Jameson Williams depending once he's on the field. Word is he's probably going to be on the field for training camp, which my Lions buddy was just bewildered by. That's wild. Given the injury, oh, that was yeah. so close. Yeah, good for him, though. I mean, that's that's a great sign, and I hope he is. That would be amazing if he was there for the start of the season. He uh, wasn't ex- He wasn't exactly beaming with joy at his uh, jersey thing with Aiden Hutchinson, the picture. He was kind of like mean. No, he was not. <laughs> you no, saw that? But, you know, maybe he'll come to love Detroit, right? Like Little Caesars, the Red Wings, etc. cetera. It, it all comes around. Um, I'm going to drop a pick that I really liked. Um Number 74, the Falcons taking Desmond Ritter. Do I yeah. do I think he's awesome? No, I don't think he's awesome. But I think, obviously, quarterback is so fit dependent and what a team needs and blah, blah, blah. So it, it's hard to find the projection. And, and a bunch of these guys, when we don't have a quarterback top-heavy class, can slide. And is there a better guy? Like Marcus Mariota, as the starter, is almost the perfect scenario because – you know he's not going to be amazing or anything, but if Desmond Ritter shows that he isn't ready in practice in the first year or so, you, you're, you're fine with just leaving Mariota in there. And if Ritter does step up and take the reins, that means he's beaten, um, you know, basically like an average quarterback kind of thing. So yeah. uh, I think he's good enough. I think he fell. I don't think it's crazy that he fell, um, but a team with lower expectations, I think a pretty good just dude as the quarterback ahead of you in Mariota. I really like that spot for uh, for Ritter a lot. Who, like I said, I, I'm I'm not saying I'm in love with him, but I do think he's good and I think he's going to play for a while. I love that call, Scott. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I think Ritter has done nothing wrong, like ever, right? Yes. So so maybe he's just sorry. Just the way in which they conduct. Oh my God! Sorry, opinion. you guys hear that? Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Every time Is I that's Sam Presti calling in. No, I think that's <laughs> that's Warren Sharp talking. I'm I'm just looking through the draft classes. Oh, uh, it's so annoying with the random audio that pops yeah, up. Yeah, the, the ads they just Nor- need. Yeah. Normally they're muted automatically for me, so I don't know why. Of course, when we're doing a live podcast, it's popping up. But anyway, um, all good, bud. Yeah. So there was like so many picks. Like I loved like. Man, I kind I really like the Texans going Stingley at three because of the ceiling, and then going ahead and taking Jalen Petrie in the second round at thirty-seven. Mm. That was awesome. I'm just kind of as I'm looking through it, talking boys. Sorry, I have no, dude. I I was gonna have that one as one of my weird ones because like oh. on one hand I love Derek Stingley, then the Kenyon Green pick. I was like, that seems a little bit high for a guard for one, and for the third best guard in the, probably or the third best interior interior lineman right um 
Jalen Petrie, I obviously loved him, but I thought he was I thought he was gonna be like late first round. So they kind of got him where he should go. And then like the rest of their draft, I was just like, oh, this is it's weird. It's like stuff to get excited about, but like for a team that was supposed to just like like absolutely kill this draft, like you have what five picks in the first hundred? Like this is a team that like the Jets draft should have been what the Texans did, basically. Yeah, I like I literally was scrolling through Thor's thing and I see they got he gave them an F too, but I just like their I like the Stingley Petrie thing. So I like like getting some secondary guys, but I don't disagree in, in, yeah. in as a whole. Um, I hate to say that the Chiefs like, man, Sky Moore, getting Sky Moore yeah. is crazy because they got they add two, they obviously needed help on on the defensive side of the ball. They get McDuffie at 21. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Bo, you were saying he was what your corner, second corner. Yeah, I kind of. Yeah, I like him. Like, yeah, maybe it was like between him and Stingley for me. I was like, I, I like Sauce Gardner, but like, I could see a world where Trent McDuffie's better than him. Right. And then anyway, but Sky Moore. So this is a guy who I like really wanted to kind of see in Buffalo, just because um, Buffalo has Gabe Davis. They have Stefan Diggs, who can kind of work everywhere, but predominantly line up on the outside, even though they move Stefan Diggs everywhere. But they obviously are an offense that has thrived under Brian Dayball calling the plays anyway with that slot receiver, that shifty little Isaiah McKenzie or Cole Beasley who's gone, whereas Sky Moore is just like tailor-made to excel in that type of role. Um, I think he's a bit more of like a vertical threat by far than either of those players. His ceiling is way higher. Um, But coming from a small school, anyway, for him to end up playing with Pat Mahomes, I feel like it's it's a lock. He's going to end up just being a stud who everyone's going to regret passing on i don't know totally. um and then further down getting darian canard like as late as they did they're just continuing to add depth to their offensive line so that's wild because they completely revamped that unit last year um yeah man some weird things happen too though right boys like uh obviously cole strange going at 29 like three yeah. pick three picks after jermaine johnson is wild it's almost like an intentional objective by Bill Belichick to be like, I really don't care. Oh, you got him as a third rounder? Watch this, bitch. <laughs> Picked him. Oh, my God. Belichick is so smart. He's just so smart. You know what I mean? He's oh, <laughs> like, I hope Strange sucks. And it's nothing personal for him. Like, whatever. <laughs> but just, of course, the Patriots reach for the guy from the guard from Chattanooga named Cole Strange. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like. Just get the fuck out of here, man. Like, just pick who everyone else would. You, oh, it's there's like oozing pretension about everything the Patriots do. They're really starting to bug me. Yeah, it's it's like uh, even if they're if it if he's awesome, like it's a guard. You yeah, know? like it's like you Wait. you have Shaq Mason again. Like you just Fuck. traded him away. Well, yeah, best case play. he could turn into a player like Shaq Mason who you just yeah. skipped away for a fifth round pick. Which, exactly. by the way. A lot of people are saying that's part of this Bucks draft too. Like they got Shaq Mason, like a top, <laughs> yeah, true. top three to five guard in football, right? So that's a nice way to look at it if you want to be one of those guys. Yeah, next Bucks fans are going to start including the Brady Brady coming back as part of the draft. <laughs> yeah, that's part of our offseason. <laughs> you know part I of the mean, draft. If you think about it, I mean, he's a we had a first round grade on him in the offseason. Yeah, uh, and he's he got two up. picks on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. Feels like it though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one thing I hate that I know, but wouldn't let me escape this podcast that I'm talking about was so. First of all, the, the Olave thing. Like I love Olave amongst this receiving co- class, yeah. 
So to see him go to the Saints was just a major bummer for me. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, time. everything the Saints have done has been a bit of a bummer for Bucks fans, I would say. Well, no, I was good with them drafting Trevor Penning with their next pick. Like, I think that is a bit more of a high-risk uh, investment in a tackle for if we're just talking draft. I know what you're talking about, Scotty. Yeah, so I'm talking about, like their their secondary is looking pretty good and everything. Yeah, yeah. I don't right. know if yeah. up, but I think they're yeah. now a clear cut number two in the division. But yeah, the Saints could be a problem, man. Let's not forget they got a ton of other really good players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So mm-hmm. and then now you add Olave if Michael Thomas is healthy. Yeah, I mean Jameis still under center. That's the thing, right? But losing Teron Armstead is significant. Yeah. Huge, yeah. He's potentially the best left. I know Trent Williams had that year, but like Teron Armstead, Armstead's body of work over the last five years is on par, if not higher. Um, yeah. So I'm just realizing how much I'm going to hate that Ohio State Michael Thomas Chris Olave combo down on yeah. the bye. Like, just fuck off. It was like, um, I think Ted Ginn and Brian Hartline were both on the Dolphins at the same time. It was like, I mean, there was. I'm sure they went five and eleven. There was no reason to care about Miami, but I just hated those guys. So, all right, just gonna ship it on over to New Orleans. Easy peas. There's rumors that uh, the Saints are are also in negotiations to acquire uh, Jeff Okuda. <laughs> oh, good. Well, he's good. Maybe maybe play him as a receiver. He might have a shot. Um, yeah, I don't know. Some sort of swap for Garrett Wilson. Tank for the other guy with Jackson Nagiba, the unbelievable player. We'll probably get him too. So I'd take him on the Bucks for show. Yeah. Oh my god, no kidding. He's unreal. Uh, but yeah, Urban Meyer is a consultant. Or, or that's a rumor. Let's not put no no no. If Scott comes back from golf with a little extra glossy eyes, Bo, do not bring up Urban Meyer. <laughs> don't just don't do it. <laughs> no, I'm trying no to bait. I'm eyes. trying to bait here. I see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chris Olave, damn, it sucks. Uh, because I really wanted to cheer for him at the NFL, just being one of those guys I was hyping up. Um, so shit, like we're playing against him all the time, whatever. Fuck Chris Olave, I guess. Uh, it, like along the same lines for me, Jahan Dotson going to Washington. I was about like, to bring that up, Bo. Literally, yeah. like my favorite wide receiver, and he goes to like my least favorite quarterback in the league, and also everyone's least favorite owner in the league. But, but let me just say this. The fact they got Sam Howell in the fifth round. Okay, we got to talk about the quarterbacks, okay? Yeah, yeah, true. Malik Willis going at whatever it was, 89 or something, like third round of the Titans, is just such a steal. That can, like, save their draft because that is unbelievable. Like, the thought that a player that talented, like, it almost feels like everyone, like, the GMs talked themselves into this being a shitty quarterback class to the point where it got a bit ridiculous. Like I'm surprised. Like I think everybody said that over and over again. And like for me, I was like, "There's still gonna be like three or four of these guys that go in the first round. Like it's just gonna happen. Like they just do that. It's the NFL." Yeah, and like you're right, Bo. It's just what happens, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I can't believe that that's where like we got to the end of that first round, and everyone's just like, "Yeah, no quarterbacks, right? Like just just pick it. We're good with that." Like what? Like I don't know. It seems I thought for sure somebody was gonna move up from Luke Willis. Like I, I shocked. But your best bet for your boy Dotson is probably going to be if Sam Howell gets the reins at some point. And for a fifth-round pick, like, think of this, the friendliness of that contract for them. 
on that rookie deal for the first four years. Like that's how you build a team, man. Like people are talking about Philly having all these assets. Like they're putting a hell of a football team around Jalen Hurts. So even if, even if he is not a lead of a lead, he's on, he's on a really generous contract for the team and it's allowing them to go ahead and trade for an AJ Brown um, and and lock him down for 20 plus mil a year. And I'm just, and sorry, Colin, that's such a good point. And I'm just kind of making up numbers here, but you hear these like, you know, people make 10 million, 12 million. And like, you don't even think about the differences, but obviously it's like, if someone's making like $800,000 or whatever, and then the next contract is 17 million, right? Like people just talk about it. Like, Oh yeah, you go from one, you go to the other. Like, that's exactly how you have to build it. It, Like what Seattle did with Russell Wilson. It just, the numbers are so astronomical. I think that it almost gets lost in the sauce a little bit. And then you realize it's like, Oh no, that's like, 20x what they were making the previous year or whatever you know what i mean stuff like that so yeah i mean say what you want about hurts as a unbelievable bargain i think he's pretty good yo and and conversely so so it's funny right the team that had to sacrifice aj brown who's only 24 by the way is is the team who has ryan Tannehill under contract for like close to 30 mil this year maybe more Maybe more. So it's a perfect example of why, like how that trade came to be, yeah. right? And now everyone's praising Howie Roseman. So God, he deserves it, though. I think. I think. He, I think he's really managed his assets well, and and somehow managed to get us to maybe not forget, but not talk as much about him passing on Justin Jefferson to select Jalen Rieger. He made that big mistake, but he's just acquired so much yeah. draft capital in the process. Uh, whatever. I can't talk about the Eagles that much. No, like but, and like. You hate to do the what ifs of a draft, especially in football, because there are just so many picks. But that Jalen Rager one. Oh yeah, I got receipts on the spot where I was where I was calling it out. Like this is the most ludicrous decision to pass on Justin Jefferson here. I I promise you that. I I I know. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I'm feeling pretty good, boys. Is there anything else you want to talk about about the NFL draft? I know, I know, your guys' appearance is a little bit shorter, but um, tonight. But I'm feeling like you know we hit on a bunch of content, and yeah. Does anyone have any other thoughts or? Here's topics? my thing about Urban Meyer. Okay, no, I'm just. <laughs> um, I do have one one pick that is a kind of a belief in the team and belief in the player, and then I thought it was like a good kind of synergy. I thought George Pickens to Pittsburgh was really nice oh in the second round. Um, he's really good. They have a um, well-documented history of drafting and developing receivers. And did they just get an app, another one? You know, like maybe he's, I don't want, I don't know if he was, he was end of the first round kind of talent. I know he had some off the field stuff that was, uh, that might've knocked him back, but and injuries and injuries. Yeah. So uh, at 52, um, Knowing what they've done now, granted, they obviously had a Hall of Fame quarterback for the last 17 years that was um, kind of like the stalwart of the offense. So a little bit different now, given the fact that what's changed under center for them. But I really like that first for the Steelers at at 52. Yeah, I, I agree. Like uh, I wouldn't have been shocked if he went in the uh, first round, right? So yeah, yeah. George Pickens is a he's a really he's a like one of the few receivers you can describe as nasty. Um, yeah. George Pickens is that. And I've, I've, along the same lines, like the Packers picking up uh, 
Christian Watson or whatever, whatever his name was in, in the second round, like after everyone thought they had to go first round wide receiver, including myself. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate that. And they just like the, the pack, uh, the Steelers, they have a pretty good history of second round, third round uh, wide receivers. So um, that's one I'm going to be looking at as yeah. the season goes on for sure. Uh Christian Watson's ceiling's insane. Like his size yeah. and his speed is unbelievable. Uh, but I worry that it's a lot of pressure coming from where he's coming from to go and have Aaron Rodgers all up in your ass. So, yeah. um, and it's a lot to ask of him. But no doubt, like that's you know they they waited. They they needed to address some other positions. They did that, and then they still ended up getting a receiver who has the potential, undoubtedly, to be like as good as anyone. Um, God, I, I hope Watson's immunized. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's uh, the um, yeah, fair enough. Keep him on, keep him on the field. Uh, 108th pick, Perion Winfrey, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. The Browns got him. I thought that was a steal, a low key, absolute robbery. Um, I wrote, yeah. I wrote an article going into the fourth round about some guys I wanted the Bucks to look at or thought they might pick between Kate Otten, um, Kobe Bryant, and Perion Winfrey, just because I felt like those were some names in that round that I was really high on. And the fact that Perion Winfrey went 108, like that's just such a bargain for that team. So um, good job thanks, by them. Thanks for bringing that up because I, I had that tweet because I was just reading that article like later on after the draft is over. And uh, I was sh- like not shocked that you got that pick, but I was like, that is fucking pretty impressive, dude. Thanks, so, bro. Uh, I appreciate that shout out too, dog. Yeah. Thank you, man. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, lots of of off season to go so we'll have more chances we're gonna do bo's all all on me he wants to do a draft and i like that idea he's got a cool idea for us to like draft our rookie team so we can kind of stand behind some names throughout the year so i I think it's a great i love that yeah it's a great idea we all love drafts let's have our own so we're gonna do that for you bodan um yeah maybe next week thank you fellas as always thank you to everyone for listening make sure that you follow all of us on twitter you see our handles on the screen at bucks banter at bonos ball at captain ron please make sure you subscribe to the bucks banter youtube channel because that is super important for us to continue to grow and to continue to be able to put out good content for you guys and uh yeah you can catch us on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you get the audio versions of your podcast and check out bucksgameday.com where i got all sorts of written stuff coming out Till that till next time. Be well. Go bye. Hey.